So good morning and Merry Christmas. I think I have a privilege and I must say thank you for, for being, uh, apart from him, maybe the first to wish you Merry Christmas from the pulpit here. <laughs> well, thank God for Christmas. If there was never one, I wonder what I'll be now and where I'll be. But thank God there was Christmas. Uh, can we just pray briefly? Lord Jesus, I thank you because you're here, and I ask that you help us to know you better, which is to know God. Strengthen us in our desire to be continually your disciples till the last day, till we're there in the nation you've created us to be part of. In Jesus' name. Yeah, it is. Maybe I didn't press it enough. All right. So um, the theme has been discipleship, being, you know, disciples. And we've heard a lot of truth about being disciples. We've been told that we belong to a, na- a different nation, and therefore we have to behave like citizens of that nation. Amen. We've also been told that Jesus expects absolute loyalty for, from disciples. That is, he expects that we would hate brother, sister, father, mother, children, and ourselves to follow him. Now that looks tough. And could make, oh, am I going to hate my parents? Am I going to hate you? He's not saying that we abandon them. But he's saying we have to have a priority that's his. Now, a disciple is someone who seeks to become like his master. In the Jewish system, the master was a rabbi. And he taught them the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And then they followed and they want to be like him. Today we want to talk about Rabbi Jesus. You know. And so, if we must be his disciples, we must be seeking to follow our master, become like him. I normally run away from handling this. I hope I won't soon hand over to David or somebody. Okay, now, so, oh. I thought I was going to handle it this time so that it will be faster, but it's like, I'll, I'm I'll not pressing it now. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So the next one, please. Yeah. So, Rabbi Jesus was not just like any other rabbi because Every other rabbi was like earthy. They just, you know, tried to teach what they have seen, what they have been, you know, taught themselves, what they read from the law. But now we're having a rabbi that himself was there before the law. We're having a rabbi who 
is himself God. And so, if we must be like that rabbi, it means we must be like God. And in the first instance, we've been made like in his image. So it shouldn't be strange that we are required to be like him. And God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. So we've got a task there to be like that rabbi. Jesus was God with man. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of man. Imagine the creator putting himself in the casket of man and coming down. And that's what Jesus did. He left his home in glory. All the beauty of heaven is just like you leave America. And I'll tell you something if I have enough time about some experience I had. But it's just like you, you leave, the, uh, you leave America and then you go to one of those places where we send these shoeboxes. And you move from your nice mansion here and you have to go and live in a hut. That's, now, it's more than that for Jesus because heaven is a wonderful place. It's not like, it's not like anything we've seen. And he says, so he took the form of man and he found himself, in a, uh, uh, he found, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. The immortal becoming mortal. Just for, for what reason? He took all that upon himself and even the death on the cross which was the worst we could have. Gadgets? Okay, maybe I should have the hand one. Shoes. Shoot. Oh, all right, I go on. The apostle Peter always had problems with headsets too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Right. So, um, therefore God also has highly exalted him and made him the name, gave him the name which is above everyone. So now this rabbi we have has the name that's above everyone, everything the next one. That's that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, this rabbi has a name. I just just imagine that um, someone came here now and said. Um, well, I'm representing the president of America, and I have this word for you. I'm sure, even if he was here to say rubbish, you would still, first of all, give him a listening ear, wouldn't you? Sure. So, and we have a rabbi who has a name that's above every name. Things under the earth, on earth, in the heavens, his name is above 
Wonderful name. Powerful name. So if I am his disciple, then I can come in his name, representing him. I have the biggest name behind me. And that's why I should be happy for the great privilege of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. So it's important that we all desire to be and we remain so if we've made that choice, disciples of Jesus Christ, because we are the disciples of the greatest one that ever trod on this earth. Disciples of God, because he was God with man, Emmanuel. So, and he lived a life of total commitment. You know, he was, he lived a life of total surrender to him, to God, whilst he lived here as man. And we heard also that that man called Enoch walked with God. And after he had walked with God, what were we told? He suddenly disappeared. He was not, for God took him. Why did God have to take him? He pleased God. It's recorded that, and that man pleased God in Hebrews, you know. And so we know he pleased God, and the only thing God could do was, you've pleased me so much here. Come over. Now, he followed God like a disciple. He must have loved God, cherished him, had great moments talking to God, listening to what God had to say, and therefore obeying him. And God must have said, I'm satisfied in you. Just come, 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 come. It's going to be too long if you waited longer here on earth. Come join me. And he never died. The scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Abraham also, he followed. We are told he believed God. Of course, you can't say you believe without some works. You prove, your, you prove what you believe by what you do. If I say I believe this thing is strong enough to take my weight, oh, already so it's going down. <laughs> then I should, I should lean on it. So, so it shows you, uh, I mean, I, I can't have too much faith in this, but because it could just go down. Now, so if I say I believe it can hold my weight, then I put my weight on it. If I say I believe and I, I'm scared and I don't want to try it, I don't want to put my weight on it, it means where is that faith? Where, where is it? So if I, believe it, if I believe in something, I must work accordingly. I must take action according to the faith I say I have. And that's what's expected of disciples. We should aim to please him. You see, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven. You know, he was praying. He was talking to his father and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to, all, uh, to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know 
that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And he said, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have sent me to do. Jesus finished the work he sent, God sent him to do. And I'm sure there's something he sent me to do here on earth. My, the question is, am I doing that thing he's expecting of me? What really did he send me to do? There's some that are so clear that we can debate. There's some we're not really sure of and we ought to find out. But the problem is where we don't choose to find out, we'll just be living he says, for we all have turned our own way. Right? So if everyone has, all we like sheep, have gone astray and turned our own way, that means we'll just be doing our own will. What we want, what I, 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 I want, I need. Um, you see, so, and we can make a lot of choices, but he'll be totally out of those choices. So a disciple doesn't make too many choices for himself other than to be like the master. Am I making all my choices to be like the master? This supreme root rabbi, Jesus Christ. And he says in his prayer, he said to God, he says, See, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. What was he sent to do in the world? He was sent to come. Suffer just to reconcile us with God. And he's sending, he's sending us in turn to do the same thing. So that's why he has made us reconciliators if we're disciples. So if indeed I'm a disciple, I must be busy in the mission of reconciliation, which my master, who I want to be like, was busy doing whilst he was here. You know, we're told he always, he was always preaching about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. That's what he spent all his time doing. And he says, he's sending us into the world just the same way God sent us, sent him. So we should be on the move. He says, for our sakes, he sanctified himself that we also may be sanctified by the truth. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. And he's truth. So he, being with them alone, should sanctify them. He, being with us, he in us, is able to sanctify us. What see? What sanctify? Separate yourself. So he separated himself unto God and he's expecting us to do likewise. So it's not strange that he says friendliness with the world is sin. That's not to say, ah, don't talk to the people in the world. But he's saying, you can't be moving along with that same system that the rest of them that belong to that different nation from which you belong, the heavenly kingdom. So it got to be, I have to walk, talk, look like the people from where I belong. So 
I've got to be like him. He's the only example that we have seen right on earth. God in human skin. So I have a duty to look and say, see, this is my rabbi. How much do I look like him? I had a maths textbook when I was in high school, and it, had, it was um, on symmetry, and there, there was a man looking at a monkey, and he was looking at the monkey so much that he started looking like the monkey too. So we should look at him so much that we become more like him. But where do we see him? We can see him on the pages of the Bible. We can see him right there. Perhaps we could also see him in the lives of some people, but then the surest place to find him is the Bible. Am I reading that Bible? Am I clutching it? You know, I work in the library now, and uh, we tell kiddies and say, see, uh, you know, treat those books carefully. Uh, clutch them, you know, like they were babies and carry them that way, right? Are you clutching your Bible like that and opening it every day to see the image of Jesus Christ and to be like him? If we don't have time for that, then we're not hating all the things of the world and following him and his expectation. We're not meeting that expectation. His expectation is we should cut off the friendliness that takes 23 hours of our 24 hours. Because all belongs to him if we're going to follow him, if we're going to be like him. Then we just want to focus, keep our gaze on him all the time and say, Lord Jesus, how can I be like you? You know, um, I think around 1979, I read some three books. One was Discipleship at Any Cost. The, one, the other one was um, Practicing the Presence of God. And um, another one was um, In His Steps. You know, and just around then, I also needed to, to, to take a decision. I mean, you know, usually we'll go for the National Youth Service. And during that period, you're sent away from your uh, state of origin, your home, so your comfort zone. You now have to go somewhere else. Sometimes you get to be sent to where they don't believe in Christ and you're open to persecution. Some have been killed in that, uh, in that situation because they'll be told, uh, you said something about... Uh, and um, so some people will just come with stones and, you know, even policemen couldn't stop them. And I had to make choices. I had to say, Lord, okay, I'm going, but then I'm not making a choice this time of where I'm going. I'm asking you, send me to where you think I can best glorify you. Whatever that's going to be. Now, I've, I've lived in cities all my life. Whether in the UK or in Nigeria, I had lived in cities. But now there was a challenge of having to go to a rural area. And the challenge of, oh, you may have to live in a hut that's made of mud. Yes, you may have to drink water that's from a well that's not that deep. So you can't be too sure of how pure it is. Uh, maybe at best you could get a borehole that, you know, yeah, that could be uh, clean, that, that could give you clean water. 
you know. So, so you have to, I like, okay, Lord, I'm not making any of those choices. Take me where you know I can, I can best serve you and please you. Amen. You see, because sometimes we look at it, it says, you know, we make either aim, whether present or absent, to please him. You know, we know we have a home that we're heading to, which is better than all these ones. But whilst we're here, we have to be focused. We have to be sure that we have our eyes on that home. But in being having our eyes on that home, sometimes it means we're not picking the best of the comforts of this place. It doesn't mean we can't have the comfort, but they are not a priority. So I made that choice. And I remember that scripture that says, um, uh, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And I said, well, Lord, I've just given you anything, everything, and say, see, take me to where you choose. It turned out that, and then I was, a, I, mean, I had graduated as a biochemist, so I was looking for where to, I thought, oh, they're likely to push me to be a teacher, and I didn't want to teach. I'd rather work in a factory or work in a hospital. But I said, Lord, much as I love this, I surrender them to you. Have your way. You know what I found? Because sometimes when we're thinking of discipleship, we think it's not palatable, it's not good. We think we're going to suffer. It's going to be punishment. It's going to be suffering all the time. What if it is suffering? We should be ready to take it. And if it's not, we should also receive it with gladness. So I, I went, when I got there, the commissioner who was supposed to deploy me said, um, it was like he was there where I was praying. He said, well, most of your colleagues who read biochemistry and are here, we've sent them to teach um, uh, because we don't have a working factory. There's a meat factory in this locality, but, we, uh, but um, it's not working. So I'm going to send you to the hospital. And okay, you smile and say, see, oh, he was in the prayer. He was there. It's like he was there. But that's God in action. But then, what next? I was sent to the hospital. And what was the hospital? A leprosarium. Where lepers are treated. And I had a classmate who had been sent there before. And he, she, she turned it down. She had to complain and write a petition to the government. They're sending me to a leprosarium. I don't want it. But when I got it, I received with gladness. I said, Lord, this must be where you want me to be. I got there. I had told God, I've lived in the city all my life. I've had everything good. So I was ready for the for rural, uh, you know, toughness. But I got there. From the moment I got there, I had somebody who immediately prepared food for me, did everything for me, and then after a couple of days, I was given a house, a whole house, four bed to live in. I was only, this was 1979, a young man, bachelor. So you need to recognize that being a disciple doesn't automatically mean you're going to suffer, but if you do have to suffer, you have to remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
They said, we know, King, yeah, you're demanding this of us, but we are not going to, we're not going to submit to your will. We will do the will of him who sent us. He alone will we serve. If we know he's able to deliver us, but if he chooses not to, even if he didn't, we're still not submitting to you. That is discipleship. Amen. That we're following you at any cost. Whatsoever it takes, we're following you. Because he himself has set us the example. Yeah. So, he says, he taught his own disciples. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and, the right, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first. Have as priority the kingdom of God. Is the kingdom of God my priority? How am I sure it's my priority? I said something about 24 hours. We have how many hours a day? 24 hours. How much of it is given to him? How much of it is given to fun? How much of it is given to any other thing? Our arguments, the things we, you know, our pet things. No things sometimes engage us so much that we forget him who demands all of us. So we got to see, seek first the kingdom of God. He did not say forget about, you know, seek first. Put it first as priority. Out of it, every other thing will work out. So he says, and all those things shall be added to you. He says, all those other things you may like, you know, they will come. He is the provider. All the time I spent in that place, I never lost anything. You know, some, some went and they went to places and they didn't have electricity for most of the week, days of the week. I had it all the time, except for three weeks, three weeks during which the generator in the village broke down. And I had water, water from a very good source being pumped into my house. I had everything, even though I had chosen to forego everything, if he wills. So, we must be concerned about his will. If we pursue his purpose, he says, everything else will be added to us because he knows what we need. And this morning we were being told not to worry by uh, Pastor Dave. You don't need to worry. He says, put everything to him in prayer with thanksgiving, right? And you shall have a peace of mind. So you're not going to worry about anything as a disciple, a true disciple, because you know that he who you're following is able, more than able, to take care of everything else. But he wants you to make him his priority. If we don't make him his priority, like he says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. 
If we don't, ah, he won't. So we make the choice whether we actually want to follow him and be like him and be his friend and receive the promise he has given, his grace he has given to us to be with him forever. But then we have a responsibility here. He's not living here. He's not leaving us here just for fun. He would rather have those who are committed to him and to his purpose, who have his aspirations, than have those who will not do his will. So what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? He said, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Now, and he, he, gave, he gave a parable of a man who, uh, you know, he had walked all his life and he had, you know, acquired so much and studied and said, so now, soul, you can take your rest. You've walked so long, so just rest and depend on this. Just, you know, you, you, you have a God that you have stood in the uh, band house. You've got your provision. You've made it. But he says, what happens when God says, tonight you must go, live here? How much of those things is he going to carry with him? So, so all that struggle, which we spend maybe half of the day or more to do, is vanity. It's going to perish here. We are not taking them along. We are not taking them anywhere. So why do they occupy such a space in our heart that we are forever pursuing them, we are forever chasing those things? It's not that all those things are bad. Many are good. We've got to make sure we get educated, we get our kids educated. We've got to pay, so we've got to work to earn something to do that. But he's saying, whilst you're doing that, your priority is that last week we were told the place to raise uh, people for the kingdom is where? The home, the family. So in all I'm doing, I should be saying, see, God, I want to, let me tell you um, where I come from. It wasn't easy for people to get into high school because it was very competitive. And um, I wanted my children to go to the best of high schools. But because they had been taught from childhood the way of the Lord, they also knew what to do. For the first one, I drove to the school one day and said, see, we're going to step on the grounds of the school and um, we're trusting that you'll get in there. True enough, he got admission there. The next one was a girl. And she on her own said, one day she, you know, her mom had to go and um, uh, she was doing a volunteer service and teach, uh, teaching something on um, behavior. And so she went there with her. When they got to the place, our daughter suddenly pulled off her shoes and decided to walk barefoot. And she looked and said, why are you walking barefoot? He said, 
I am stepping on this place because wherever I step on is given to me. <laughs> True enough, against all odds, she got into that school. So that's the life they learned to live. When the last one was coming to America, I told him, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He was only 14 years old. And I was like, oh, he's going. But I, wasn't, I was confident that he would be able to stand. So he got uh, home. Uh, he got to some um, host parents here. They turned out to be Christians. And um, they were amazed when they saw him participating in the conversations in the church. They were like, what? And he wasn't going to be bothered by anything. In the course of his uh, first year here, he broke his leg and he was alone. And they had to call us in the middle of the night and say, hey, he broke his leg. He has to be operated on. I said, okay. God have his way. He went through all that, took care of himself through that. That never shook him. When we got to him the first time after that, he said, there's a song in Yoruba, it says, uh, which simply means, thank you for where you started, thank you where we, for where we are, and thank you for where you're taking us. That was his song coming from him. He was 14 years old. So I was like, oh. Now, so what discipleship is not condemnation to suffering, but it's being given the opportunity, the privilege of the best life. Because he would take care of everything if you commit them to him. Amen. I didn't need to have anxieties over them because they knew his way. And for as long as they were following his way, they were his direct children. God has no grandchildren. He's good witness on his disciple. You know, when he was praying, when Jesus was praying, he said, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me. In short, you were given to him by God. God was aware that you were going to believe and you were going to follow him. You are going to make the choice to follow him. You know, those whom he predestinated. You were among them. And so they were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. John 7, 16. And then he says, now they have known, known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them, for I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I, I came forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those who you gave, you have given me, for they are yours. You know, he said, I didn't pray for the world. And you say, oh, did he come to die for the world? Yes, he came to die for the world. But they're his priority who have believed in him, who have chosen to follow his, him the way to the Father. Amen. You are a priority to him. So nothing touches you. You are the apple of his eyes. Nothing touches you without his consent. He says, so uh, 
So he says, uh, he, you, you, you are so important to him. He prayed ahead. He prayed ahead for the, his disciples, those who choose to follow him, those who take him as rabbi, of whom I believe everyone here is one. And if you happen not to be one, you'd better make a good choice of a rabbi. So he taught them that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, except through him, Jesus Christ. Have you come to him? Have you come to God? If you come into God, you've got to go through this avenue. I'm sure nobody who has come to God has gone through any other avenue, or he wouldn't find him. So, for those who haven't found him, he says, seek him whilst he may be found. Call upon him whilst he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Say, let your light so shine before men. That's a command to us, to you, to me, if we are disciples. He says, I should live so much like him, Jesus Christ, because he is a light. So he says, I am also light of the world. Wow, you, light of the world. So wherever you get, darkness must be dispelled. You know, if you just have, if you just light, if this place is dark and you just light a little candle, what happens? Everybody sees it. He says, nobody lights a lamp and puts it underneath a table. You will put it on top so it shows forth. So you've not been saved for nothing. You've been saved to shine in whatsoever you do. And let them see. You know, I have a, daughter, a granddaughter who does a lot of skating. You know, and she's won uh, she, she, in, in many championships. But she's only nine. I didn't get as many trophies as she's got. <laughs> and, you know, she chose, when he was going to choose something to be written on her vest, she, she chose, uh, let your light so shine. And I thought, wow. You know, God expects us to build families through generations. You know, there's something I call long shots, uh, firing long shots. Firing long shots to me is pray about something that's, you know, foreseeable but so far away. I've been praying for my great-grandchildren and great-great-great-grandchildren, even if I don't see them. And I believe that when the time comes, God has answered now against that time. Yeah, but for me to do that is because I have a concern. I believe they must be light of the world. They must let the light so shine that the world will see it in a world that's becoming more crooked. Because the world now, you are faced with some challenges now. Because, I don't know, for those who still have young enough kiddies, you don't, there are schools you wouldn't want them to go because of what, you know, uh, what is promoted in that school. Especially if you're concerned about glorifying God. There are laws in this country which, 
you'll shudder to, I mean, you, you don't want to, you, you wouldn't want them to affect you. But of course, they're laws. People gain privileges over those who are doing the right thing for being wrong. Is that known to us? Do we know it? We should fight that with prayer and we should fight it with our words when we have the opportunity. We are not to hide under the table. We are to be light on the lampstand. You know, we may not face the kind of persecution that's faced in some other countries. You know, but I do say, I remembered I saw uh, in the, at the height of the ISIS problem in Europe, I saw uh, that gory picture of an American who has been, yeah, I don't want to say what happened to him. I'm sure you know. You never know where you'll go. You never know where you'll be. Are you ready to stand as a disciple? My master showed me the example because he went through the suffering. He never denied his father. Even when in the pains of it, he was like, oh, father, why have you forsaken me? But he knew there was a surer country, a surer nation to which he belonged. There was a kingdom beyond here. Because if you live only for this place, I would say it's a pity. But you must remember you have a home that's higher and better than here. To which you should long for. So are you longing for that place? Then if you're longing for that place, you must be behaving like citizens of that place. There was a time I was looking for a job somewhere. So, and that place was Shell, Shell uh, Petroleum Company in Nigeria. And um, I, I, I happened to have been working, you know, inspecting their uh, projects in places because uh, I was working as occupational health and safety uh, personnel in government. And so I had learned a lot about their culture, their rules and all that. And I started obeying those rules myself, even without being there, because I was hoping to go there. Although later on, when I was offered appointment there, employment there, I already had another one, and I said no. But you see, I had spent the time preparing myself for that place. Prepare yourself for this sure place by being a true disciple, following the master, the rabbi, the rabbi who came from above, not a human, uh, not one that you know grew up here, born of, the, of ordinary flesh. This one was conceived of the Holy Ghost. And that's what we're celebrating this season. This rabbi that was born in a special way. Says, um, life of great power, doing miracles anywhere. We know that. Everywhere he went, he was doing good. He was, you know, we had a song we used to sing. Everywhere he went, he was doing good. A mighty healer, he healed the lepers. When the cripples saw him, they started working. Everywhere he went, my Lord was doing good. You know, that was the song we, and we used to sing it. Peter knows it. Uh, she also knows it. Uh, so you see, so, so now uh, it says, life of great power, doing miracles. That's what my rabbi lived. 
And he's saying that I have to live supernaturally. That means I'm depending on him, trusting him for everything, knowing that he's able to do all things. And with him, nothing shall be impossible. And that's why today I can expect anything. What is it you're asking for? He says, seek you first his kingdom and his righteousness. But on the way, you get all these ones. You know, in Nigeria, where we say those extra things you get, we say they are jara, you know, just surpluses. You get, you know, gifts, you know. So if you will choose him first. Now, uh, then it says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. His first disciples showed us that, that they would do so much. They did, even without being conscious of it, as they walked through the crowd, what happened? When Peter walked through the crowd, in some places what happened? His shadows healed people. His shadow, mere shadow. God is saying that he's no different. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever with you. He will do the same. He says, if he says in a house, there are vessels unto honor and there are vessels for mere, you know, anything. He says, but if anyone will purify himself, right? He will be used as a vessel unto honor. And that's why the disciple must be determined that I want to follow you at any cost, in any way, in whatever you send me. If I am doing, you know, he's not going to glorify man. He's going to glorify himself. He says we should shine and let our light so shine that we'll glory, men will see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. So, whatever he's going to do, he's going to do it in the act of your serving, obeying his instruction as a disciple. He will empower you to accomplish what he wants. in time? I go to you? Yeah, okay. So, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. What? Witnesses to myself, to yourself? No. It says to him, Rabbi Jesus, the power he's given is power to be witnesses to all the things he did, the, the powerful things he did, the message he brought, the word. Yes. And he says in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, in the church I pastored, one thing we did was we said, okay, we defined what was a Samaria. You know, that was in the closest neighborhood. Then we defined what was a... Um, uh, Judea, and then we defined what was, uh, uh, sorry, Jerusalem, you'll be witnesses to me, in Jerusalem, the immediate precincts, and in Judea, the wider one, which was like a local government, the Judea was a state, the Samaria was the country, and the end of the earth. And we decided that we will reach out to everyone, whichever way we could. 
So for those that were nearby, we, we walked from house to house and tried to preach the gospel to them. And then those that were further off, we gave support. Just like this church is giving support to many things. And then beyond, we said, uh, we would still give support. The further they were, the more we had to. We had to maintain contact with people to do that. But we had to be engaged in reaching the world in the same manner he, did, he, he told the first uh, disciples. Which part of it are you? Don't let all the things that happen in this church pass you by. Be involved if you haven't been involved for Christ's sake, for the kingdom that you also can claim that you declared him before men. Because he says, if you confess him before men, what will he do? He'll confess you before his father. He started doing that in that prayer in John 17, confessing his disciples before his father. And um, he had exemplary grace and forgiveness. He says, Father, forgive them for they do not what they do. He said it just for those ones who were actually nailing him to the cross. All those ones who spat on him. All those who treated him brutally. And he's telling me, Tokumbo, forgive like I forgive. Am I able to do that? Do I get hurt just because people say some words? Or they look at me in some way? Do I fight back? He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Am I depending on him? He wanted his uh, disciples to depend on him. Because he was going to provide them the power to do all that they needed to do in his name. So, he says, he made them to realize that, you see, forgive. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. You know, you may wonder why some people will now get to heaven and then there's nothing. But we are promised crowns. Paul walked with a short steps. He says, I don't walk like, I don't walk like someone beating the air. But he pursued everything he knew God had asked him to do. He knew there were battles. The battles were not just combat with men, but they were with spiritual forces of darkness. But he knew he could overcome because his Lord Jesus Christ had overcome them all. Our Lord Jesus Christ had overcome all. That's why his name is higher than any other. His name is Jesus. His name is Lord. So if we say he's my Savior, we must also know him as Lord. His Lordship says, you obey what I have told you. His Lordship demands that of us. His Lordship demands that we make him priority, like we've, been, like we've uh, read from the scriptures. You see, then we will know that no weapon formed against us can prosper because... Even against him, no weapon formed against him prospered. He only gave his life out of his own accord. Nobody could have taken it from him. Peter was ready to fight. He brought out a sword. Chopped off some 
you know, just like that thing fell off my ear and he was trying to put it back. <laughs> but there it was real ear that fell off. And Jesus picked it up and said, don't do that. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. So that's it. So we have to learn to forgive and we have to learn to trust him for his supreme power as a cover over us. Wherever we go, whatsoever we do, because we see in his promise, which we all will recite together later on, that we have him with us all the time. His disciples were from, the, from diverse backgrounds with many flaws in their lives, just like flaws in my life and maybe your life. I don't know, maybe some of you are living flawless lives. You know, your lives have no flaws, you know. But mine does. So he got all those people. And he says, uh, as the father knows me, even so I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. He laid down the, the, his life for all such people with flaws in their lives. If you're wondering, does he care about me? Does he care about you? He laid his life down for you, knowing all the flaws are there. He prayed ahead for you and me. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also, and this is critical, may be one in us. That they also may be one in us. So in short, he's saying, this rabbi is not a rabbi that keeps you at a distance. He's a rabbi that wants to live in you, in me. And he's actually living in you if you have believed in him and told him to be your Lord. You know, he told his, his disciples, he says, when they were saying, oh, don't go. Yeah, he said, no. If I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come to you. He says, you have him with you, but you shall have him in you. So he left so that the Holy Spirit could come and dwell in us and make us one with God. So if I am one with God, it means I'm so important. Wherever I step, God is there. And that's why I have to be a true disciple, representing him in every way, being like him. So that the world will keep seeing him whenever they see me. In my kindness, in my compassion, in everything, in my fair-mindedness, fair they should see Jesus. So it's most, so now, you know, I said most certainly answered prayer. Which is the most certainly answered prayer? If Jesus prays, which other prayer would first be answered? Jesus. Because in every way he pleased God, he did all that God expected of him. And therefore, God listens to him always. So when he got to the place where um, Lazarus was, he said, um, well, he started praying and he said, Father, I know that, you know, you always hear me. I'm only praying on this occasion, not because I'm desperate, but because 
I want them to know. I want them to know that you are the one here. That you, you always hear me. You always answer. So if Jesus prayed for me, and he did pray for me, like 2,000 years ago, I believe that prayer is in operation. That's why I was able to believe. Because he said, he, he prayed for those who will believe through these ones. Through his disciples then. Those who will believe. How did you come to believe? How did the word reach you? It went through generations due to those who suffered initially for their faith. Some were son asunder. You know, some uh, were skinned alive for their faith. But they would not deny that faith. They were so sure of what they believed. They knew he was Christ. They knew he was the son of God. They knew he had a place for them in heaven as promised in John 14. In my father's house, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. They were sure of all those things. They believed the word. That's why he said to you, see, they have received the word that I've given them. The word of eternal life. So, and um, they were emboldened by him. The Holy Spirit makes a man bold. When his spirit is in you, you can walk up to anybody, anywhere, boldly. Doing one thing, God's own pleasure. You're not going there to pull down, but you're going there to strengthen. You're not going there to discourage, you're going there to encourage. You're not going there to condemn, but you're going there to bring them to the knowledge of the living God and his son, Jesus Christ, the Savior. So he did all that because he gave them a responsibility. He says, and those um, high priests and uh, the council then, uh, they, they said, they threw them into prison, but God, by his great power, the power of this great rabbi brought them out. Angels were, an angel went and released them in the night and they were out. And they were like, oh, wow, wow, what happened? We saw them preaching out there in public. Were those not the men we said must stop preaching in this name? That name that's above every name. Even where you are today, there may be places where they don't want you to mention that name. Recently, um, just a few days ago, um, my wife was telling me that where she works, so there was a guy who is the, like the manager there. So during Halloween, he put all kinds of weird things all around in the place, and even words that you know could make people's heart fail in a hospital. And uh, nobody complained, nobody said anything, they bore it, but then, but then, Christmas time, and one believer decided to put some posters around, tried to, tried to put some things around that showed that Jesus Christ was born. And he said, oh. So he went to, him, to her and said, don't you think this can be offensive? Halloween and all those skeletons were not offensive. All the funny and, um, you know, uh, terror pictures were not offensive. But it's this beautiful child, Jesus, 
And I think what she wrote was, and the word was made flesh. And that became offensive. So you see, in some way, somebody will tell you, don't dare mention his name. Are you going to succumb? This lady went to my wife and said, ah, see, this guy has said, he said, don't you worry. Don't succumb. Leave it there. So she left it there. So he's still there for now. I don't know if he'll go and remove it later. We've got to dare to stand for him. Sometimes dare to stand alone. Um, says, but Peter and the other, yeah, so okay, now, um, yeah, go on, go, go ahead, next one. So uh, Peter and the other disciples, they said to him, they said, we must obey God rather than men. When they were called up and they were told, we told you to stop preaching in his name. Why are you still preaching in his name? He said, now what do you think is better? To obey you humans or to obey God? The choice is always ours. You know, sometimes we are too scared, even before friends and our neighbors who are very close by. And um, we are too frightened to do I want to say, even prophets like Elijah were afraid at some point in their lives. You know, after he had uh, killed all the prophets of Baal and all that, and Jezebel was after him, he told God and said, see, <laughs> I'm in trouble. This guy is chasing me. They want to kill me. I'm the only one left. And God said, no. Grace had made provision for the protection of 7,000 others. So you're not the only one. God will protect you. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose right. And dare to make it known. So uh, Elisha like this. Okay, let's. So he was, Elisha, who followed him, was resolute. Just like the disciples. You know, they had told him at some point, they would, um, you know, following Peter, they had said, see, we're ready to die with you. If anybody dares one, uh, you know, so we would go with you, we'll die. But then Peter denied him. He was thinking he could do it in the strength of his flesh. The arm of flesh will fail you. But what's not going to fail is the power of God, the Holy Spirit. When he decides to hold you, nothing can pull you aside. And that's why he says that uh, neither heights nor depths nor whatsoever can separate us from the love of Christ. So um, my question is, and no answer is required, are you ready to face some consequences for actions you take on his behalf? Or in some cases, some have to be are called to die for the faith in Christ. Are you scared by that thought? You're not the only one who's been scared by that. Do I hate my life enough for this? That's why he says, you must hate your life. You must be ready to part with it, the life on this side because you're sure of a, a better life ahead. I'm not telling you to go and commit suicide, suicide, uh, to be a suicide um, terrorist bomber. No. But if he calls, we might have to answer. I don't want to frighten you. 
Pastor has reminded us, don't be afraid of anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which transcends everything, shall keep your heart and mind. So, there is a command he gave, and we call it the Great Commission. He says, uh, all power is given unto me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that, Jesus, that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That's his promise to you. That's why you don't need to be afraid. If there's anything, he would have provided for it. When Stephen was dying for his faith, you know what happened? He gave him a revelation of something that was beautiful, something that, would, that was above his imagination. He showed him a glimpse, of, he gave him a glimpse of heaven. And as he looked at heaven, he could forgive like Jesus did. He says, see, I'd rather let them stone me to death, but I know I'm not dying. I'm going up there to that beautiful place. You can't get to that beautiful place without some sacrifice. It's not about dying now. It's about your commitment in daily living. How much of your time, how much of your energy, how much of your means are you giving to him? That's his discipleship. If you give it all to him, then you're his disciples. If you're not ready to do that, then he'll be, you know, I don't know what kind of disciple I'll be if I don't. But I want you to try this. You're not compelled to read it with me, but if you believe it, if you want it, then let's read together as it's written there. It's just... Uh, an appropriation of that scripture to ourselves. It says, I, Tokumbo, will go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that Jesus Christ has commanded me. And lo, he is with me always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. He's with you. Amen. Wow. What an assurance. Yes, you can be a true disciple by his grace because he has supplied all that's required. Just want to bow your head and say, say a word to him. Lord Jesus, we thank you because you are forever there. You're, you've been there before. You're there now. And you are always here with us. Therefore, we have confidence in you. Help us to overcome all those little things that keep us from being total disciples, totally committed to you in everything. For in your name we pray. Amen. So, um, if you have any questions or anything... Pastor Dave is always here. You can see he's like a senior police officer. You know, that thing you see is, uh, you know.